Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my podcast co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hello, Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our special guest, who we'll introduce in a moment. Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm very excited about the show. I uh, as, as soon as our special guest was on last time, I said to Michelle, please, we must have this individual back. We have to. Um, <laughs> yes. So she, she's, be, she's become one of my favorite people in the whole world. We don't Aww. even know each other. We don't Aww. even know each other that, that well. But I got to tell you, there are some people that you just, even over Zoom, I think you just kind of feel a connection with. Aww. And this is one of them. So uh, thank you, Michelle, for introducing us. Absolutely. You'll be able to introduce her later. I will. Any, anything that uh, you, you, you want to chat about before we bring on our guest? Um, well, you know, on on Thursday, so for those of you that haven't heard us say this in a while, we are pretty unscripted conversationally between Scott and I. We just play in a basic topic and pontificate and wax poetic and talk back and forth between each other, <laughs> to use a word I used earlier. I was just going to um, say you like that word today, <laughs> pontificate. Yeah, it's, it's maybe my word of the day. But, it, you know, we do meet on Thursday just to check in with each other and provide support and make sure everything's going okay. And I want to give a shout out to um, our Japanese, German and, and UK listeners who have kind of increased our listenership beyond Canada and the United States. And thank you for tuning in from afar and for finding something valuable, hopefully in our community. So I wanted to say that, and and likewise, it, I just kind of looked up some holidays for today, and um, I looked up some holidays for today, and today is uh, Nelson Mandela Day in South Africa, which is an observed holiday. So in honor of our international audience uh, that's growing, I wanted to point out that it's Nelson Mandela Day. That's a, a person I, I really admire. Absolutely. His tenacity and his influence over change in the world, um, even beyond his own country. I've got to say one thing about Nelson Mandela, because you you, you know, Michelle, that uh, I'm a big proponent of people finding their mentors, their heroes and modeling them. Uh Uh, If you want to see someone who is in, by all rights, a world leader, it's Nelson Mandela, as opposed to others who might claim the title, take the title, or geographically be assigned the title. Nelson Mandela's traits, what he came out of, how he overcame struggles, how he lived his life. We are talking about a true world leader. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really admire him. And so on a, you know, on a serious note, there's that. But then of course, you know, this is called keeping your shit together. So we wouldn't be ourselves if we weren't a little irreverent. And today is also <laughs> randomly in the United States to offset the seriousness of Nelson Mandela Day is National Sour Candy Day. National Sour Candy Day. And wait, wait for it. National Get Out of the Doghouse Day. <laughs> oh, you know, we could do an entire show on that because yes, you, <laughs> because I don't think wives ever go in the doghouse, right? It's always the husband. Have you ever heard of a wife being relegated to the doghouse? Never. Never? No. I've never heard of saying no. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think wives might naturally relegate themselves to the doghouse. Well, you know, I'm Canadian uh, by birth, so I apologize for things that aren't my fault. And you just have to get used to that about me. So (laughs) I probably put myself in the doghouse more often than I need to just out of sheer reverence for community and the desire for getting along with people in harmony (laughs) anyway so that's that's my little fun fun fact for today just in case you wanted a little little giggle um have you noticed any uh trends with clients lately oh you know 
if I'm honest with you, I, I've been dealing with a lot of breaches of trust and speaking mm-hmm. of getting that out of the doghouse, right? So breaches in trust and infidelity in my couple's clients. Uh, how do you forgive someone? How do you do forgiveness work? Even when there hasn't been infidelity, there's just been a breach of trust, like somebody was vulnerable with someone else and they weren't met. And then there's a natural shutting down that happens and um, decreased intimacy and decreased connectivity between couples. So in my in my couples clients, I've been dealing with a lot of that. You know, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a quick question because sure. uh, we, not only did you just bring it up, but Helena, when we were talking to her about the uh, Perfect Passion Project, and she'll be coming back on the show here, mentioned that men and women uh, in their biological identity selves are kind of wired, right? Uh, different ways. And she even mentioned that most men, I won't say all, uh, I don't think she even said all, but most men are wired to look around and say, well, she's this, she's that. I would have sex with them. I would not have sex with I wasn't going to go there, but yes, that's how Helena well, mentioned she, it, right? It's well, like she used the F word, but she, she did that. use the F word. But, you know, the, <laughs> the, the reality is that, she, you know, her comment was that many men are wired to look around and say, okay, she's, she's this, she's that, yeah. she's whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious in the setting you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. When we talk about loyalty, trust, et cetera, if in fact Helena is correct mm-hmm. and that men are wired to look, and I go back to the old Jimmy Carter quote, right? Mm-hmm. I asked him if he'd ever, President of the United States, I believe the question was, uh, have you ever cheated on your wife? And his comment was, I've lusted in my heart. Well, Is that cheating? Is that a trust issue or is that just well, the guy's wired to- that way? So I, I have to break it down. First of all, not all my couples are heterosexual. So there's that. And not all of the infidelity has been on the part of the man in ah, the relationship. See, and so when see the bias down, I just see the bias I just brought to it. Exactly, exactly. And in fact, um, there's some research about early exposure to pornography and its impact on the brain, whoever is watching it. And then the natural objectification loop that gets formed in the brain when you're exposed to seeing other as object of desire or object of conquest. Um, so anyway, it's it's a co- more complicated and our audience doesn't like when we talk about sex. It doesn't. So I'm not going to so, go there. So I, I'm not going to go change there. The <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I, 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 yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, I, I've I feel been, sorry for our, our guest because she seems to come on when we talk about the zaniest openings. Well, but, you know, I, I will <laughs> I will also tell you that, that that a trend that I am seeing and it leads into today, by the way, okay. is the concept of not only awareness of your emotions, mm-hmm. um, you know, how self-aware are you, mm-hmm. but the ability to accept th- what the emotions are, the ability to lean into the emotion rather than run from them. Um, and a lot of yeah. uh, some of the stuff that I've been working through with people, cause you know, I'm very performance and behavior based, mm-hmm. uh, give me, you know, tell me what your results are. We'll plan how to get the outcome for you, mm-hmm. uh, irrespective of how you think, feel, or emote. It doesn't get completely irrelevant to me. I, you know, behavior and performance don't have to be linked. They are, but they don't have to be linked to emotion, mm-hmm. thinking, uh, and feeling. And it's been very interesting when I talk to some folks about, um, leaning into these emotions mm-hmm. and the fact that they are pain avoidant. We've talked about that before on the show, right? We want yes. pleasure. We avoid pain and and as Tony Robbins has said, you'll do everything in the world. To, you'll do more to avoid pain than you will to get pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it's a very timely thing, particularly when we're talking about our topic today of grief mm-hmm. and the fact that, well, okay, you know, it's part of life. It's part of, mm-hmm. if you want to call it suffering or sorrow or loss or disappointment, um, that deep, profound, you know, pull out my heart and leave a hole there mm-hmm. concept. Uh, mm-hmm. can, can you, at least for my clients, can you at least sit with that 
and mm-hmm. and not run from it <laughs> Be, because i i go, i still go to you know the old alan watts comment that when a ghost is chasing you you turn and walk into the ghost you don't run because if you run from the ghost the ghost will overtake you and capture your soul yeah. uh, and he was using that in the context uh, as a metaphor for emotions and mm-hmm. what you do in life it's like turn and face it uh, embrace mm-hmm. it and it will it in his metaphor dissipate mm-hmm. i and have do you ever work with clients like that where you actually talk to them about self-awareness mm-hmm. and learning uh, what's the word that i want to use uh, you, they welcome there's the word that they welcome the grief they welcome the, the the sadness they welcome the anger they actually can say it's part of me mm-hmm. i welcome yeah. that i don't have yeah. to act on it but i welcome the feeling i use the the poem by Rumi, the guest house in quite a bit of my work when I noticed that people move from feeling to fix too quickly, because it, yes, it's important to problem solve. And yet if we're always running from feelings, then we don't learn how to let them just sit through us. Like if you have, if you cry for a while, most people don't cry for 24 hours. They get exhausted after maybe 10 minutes or 20 minutes and they want a nap and and it's important to be with your emotions and and you know maybe 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 Rumi is the guest house where you welcome them with open arms or the concept of welcome and like I don't like sadness I don't like fear I don't like anger so I don't know that I'm ever excited to see them you know I'm not that much of a guru <laughs> but I think if we can at least be with the feeling when it shows up and and feel it for a little bit and and then move into whatever we have to do for the day or the next task that is an important skill to develop and i'm you know maybe that leads right into our topic for today grief is the great teacher yeah why, why don't we, why yeah. we just jump into it good well i am excited to welcome back uh, fran solomon who was with us on March 21st on episode 106. And it was so profound that we could not wait to have her back. But for those of you that have to go back and listen to episode 106 on March 21st, 2022, Fran is an entrepreneur, a visionary, a developer, an executor. She is the founder of healgrief.org, which is one of the ways that I work with her. And Heal Grief is an all-encompassing virtual platform that serves the bereaved with a ton of free services. It's a nonprofit. So uh, Fran historically had years in the private sector, but her own grief journey led her to the field of bereavement care. So she is a trained grief group facilitator. She served for almost a decade as a board of director and former chair for Our House Grief Support Center, which is the largest um, LA County grief support center. And then her private sector experience was instrumental in the turnaround and development of management and policy. And during her tenure, she saw a need for bereaved families and friends to connect globally. You know, if, if any of you have ever lived in a large metropolis with terrible public transportation and heavy traffic, you know how difficult it can be to only address your grief at 6 p.m. on Monday and to get to a particular location that is a brick and mortar. And so Fran's just in intuition about the need to have a way to connect globally, even before the virtual explosion caused by the pandemic, it inspired her vision for Heal Grief. And Heal Grief has users from around the globe. It's an amazing nonprofit. Um, it has programs like another podcast I, I recommend called Let's Talk Grief. And then there's the Loss Project and uh, Actively Moving Forward, which is um, also called AMF. And they have a free app called the AMF app that you can find. It's a way to connect with members that have similar experiences because they are also grieving. So it's a support system and a support community for those grieving a death loss. There's lots of types of loss, but I, I wanna be clear that this is for a, a, the death loss community. And through the AMF app, members have access to tools and resources and virtual supports and healthy post-bereavement growth opportunities. So I am so excited to have Fran back. Fran, welcome. 
Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be back with you guys. Oh, I've been I, looking I, forward I, to this. That's oh, all I got to tell you as, as your fanboy, I've got to tell you, I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, and, and I'm going to kind of listen a lot too, but I, I want to start off our conversation because we this is a piggyback to our prior conversation. Okay. And I know we're talking about the theme being grief as a teacher. And you know, one of the people that I just love as a writer is Khalil uh, Gibran. Many of you have heard of him before. And I just have always loved this quote. And I think it, Fran, you will either already know it or it will get us started in the discussion today. Okay. And it goes like this. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart and you shall see that in truth, you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about grief as a great teacher, I think we need to start off with our audience because, you know, that we all work with people who are going through grief. Is grief the same as sorrow? And if yes, is it something we control or does it control us? Oh, interesting question. No. Um, I want to argue that they're different. I want to argue that sorrow can be generally sadness, yet grief I'm going to define differently. Grief not only includes, can include sadness, but it's not only emotional feelings, they're, physio they're physiological feelings. It can be the pit in your stomach. It can be the tense in your muscle. It can be a headache. It can be, it can be so many more things than the sadness of sorrow. Um, is that making any sense? It, it is. So what, what I'm hearing you say is sorrow is part of grief, but grief is not necessarily sorrow. Correct. I think grief is a lot deeper than sorrow. I think grief comes out in so many other ways than sorrow expresses itself. Then how do we know when we, I, I know this sounds very naive, but how do we know when we have it? I, you know, Michelle has worked, frankly, let's, we've talked about it on Michelle has worked with me when I've lost very close friends uh, and loved ones. Uh, and I didn't even know she was, I didn't even know she was doing her Michelle thing Sorry. on me. Um, you know, how do we recognize when we're going through grief? Well, grief can manifest from many different things. Um, Michelle uh, fairly pointed out that heal grief is about people that have suffered from a death loss that are suffering their grief due to a death loss. You can also have grief due to a divorce. You could have grief due to a loss of a job. Grief can be from so many things. Um, a death loss, I wanna suggest is very different in that if you lose a job, you can get another one. If you lose a home, you can get another one. If your person dies, you're not getting that person back. That's finality. That's forever. There is no going backwards. And I'm coming up with a point. A lot of, a lot of people that we, um, we hold that sacred space for during our virtual groups um, reference, when am I going to get back to the way things used to be? Yeah. And one of the things that we have learned is that acceptance that things will never go back to the way things used to be is really one of the first steps to healing. Because if you're still looking to go back, mm -hmm. you're never gonna get there. Because mm -hmm. they can't come back to life. Yeah, you can take the memories that you have and the feelings that you hold in your heart and move forward with it, but you can't go back. Well, you can't you know, replace. How do, I mean, I know how I would approach it with the work I do. I'm, I'm less concerned about that than more, 
with you, Fran, and you, Michelle, someone is deeply grieving and they're hearing intellectually, you need to welcome the fact that life has changed forever. Yeah. Okay, well, excuse my language. What the fuck do you do with that? I'm, I'm grieving. not saying welcome, I'm saying accept. Wait, wait, I, I used the word welcome when I when I was talking about it. It's mm -hmm. the understanding, the, the acknowledgement, the at least open-mindedness that I've got the pain and life is never going to be the same because someone I love died in this, in this scenario. Well, now what do we do with it? Okay. That's really cool, but it doesn't stop the pain. No, it doesn't. And I'm not suggesting it does. And this is important. This is where Fran, you just captured my heart the last time you were on. And, and just for listeners who maybe you can explain again, your concept, your approach to what, to what we do when we carry grief with us. Yeah, so um, our, our belief at Heal Grief is that once you're bereaved, you're forever bereaved. And we don't wanna make that sound doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. um, we want to let people know that it's okay five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, during, life, during life's milestones, a wedding, a birth, to have what we call triggers that evoke emotions of grief. Because the person that we love we, is not erased from our mind. Mm -hmm. The life we had with them, the, 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 the gift that they gave us through their presence in our lives doesn't go away. Our heart doesn't wipe out the love. So we just need to figure out how do we take this grief and actively move forward with it? How do we move forward and live life with them? One of the things that we, we um, often go into is what was the best thing about your person and how are you going to live that? as a way of continuing the legacy of the person and how they touched your life. So one, one take, one takeaway, one teaching thing from grief is that you can become an embodiment of the good stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. We've heard people say, Oh, she just lit up a room. I want to, I want to be that person to light up a room or they were so philanthropic. I want to find a way to give. Well, these are ways mm -hmm. that we can move forward in our grief in a very positive way, embracing the person that's, that's still within us and what do, do you it in do, a healthy way. What, what do you, and, and I love that. And again, I'm going off of some, some people I'm interacting with at the moment. What do you do when someone is going through grief? Perhaps they're in denial, but from the outside, we can see that they're grieving. Um, and there's so much shame and blame that they've brought with that grief. Oh, I should have treated so-and-so better. Oh, I could have been a better husband, wife, you know, whatever, caretaker, friend, et cetera. Is, is there something we can learn and bring forward? It's like, instead of the shame and the blame, let the grief do something else that I'm not um, sure I'm yeah. being articulate. I'm going to go back to something that the both of you talked about in the opening of the show, forgiveness. Mm. Can we be kind to ourselves and forgive ourselves for what we didn't know? Great one. Mm. Forgiveness. That is, uh, I see that so much with survivors of suicide death. Mm -hmm. Um, just, you know, I could have, would have, should have, you know, and the, the beating of oneself up for not being able to prevent the death. Yeah. And I'll just lean in and say, can you be kind to yourself and forgive yourself yes. for what you didn't know? Yes. That is, I, I've got to tell you as Scott, that is so hard to do for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, with all the, the, the death that I've experienced and seen and, and been impacted by it's really hard. Yeah. I'm not saying any of this is easy. 
damn it. Come on, friend, make it easy for us. You know, even when you think it's easy, like, you know, I've been pretty transparent about my dad, my dad's death last summer. And even when you think it's getting easier, your body betrays you and gives you some weird grief reaction or dream or like the number of dead dad stories on TV, just still to this day that I have to be exposed to and processed through just when I'm trying to find a form of escape or, or entertainment. It's so profound. So it is not easy. And, and kind of, I, I agree with Fran, even when it's not a suicide death, there's so many little things along any kind of death that you might wish you would have said, or wish you would have look at the COVID deaths. Oh, I know. If, if only I, I knew I wouldn't see them again. If yeah. only, you know, I wouldn't have gone to the party had I known. Yeah. I, you know, all of these, these things that, that individuals hold on to, and it's like, but you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And how could you know? And if you did know, you would have done things differently, but you didn't. Can you be kind? and forgive yourself for what you didn't know. Well, what do we, I, there, there's a death situation that, I, that I'm not going through it. It's, we, we, it's impacting our family right now. When the immediate family is grieving, so we're not the immediate family, we're friends. Um, when the immediate family is grieving and you see that, what do the two of you suggest as far as a way of letting them have that grief while still understanding that all these things that you said will eventually take, I I guess I'm saying this really bad. What is the best way to help someone with grief as a friend? Be there, ask them to share stories, ask them about their person, let them tell their story over and over again. It's Ah, a processing It's part of meaning making. People need to tell their story over and over again. Often we have people that come to group and every time we'll hear the same story. They're trying to make meaning of this. Um, Sitting with them, just tell tell me about Joe. Yeah, Yeah, one of our listeners uh, just wrote that in their experience, no one wants to hear the stories. Um, I, I, I may, if I might be so blunt, suggest that's not the, if that's what you're experiencing, perhaps there's a better support system out there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because well, yeah, I think there, I think there are people out there, uh, who do want to hear. That's I why you that's, have, that's yeah. why you have groups and that's yeah. why you have heal grief. And, mm-hmm. you know, our, our whole motto is all about community support and connections. Mm-hmm. People want to come together and connect with others. Mm-hmm. They want to feel heard mm-hmm. and they want to be understood. And they mm-hmm. are because other people are going through a similar experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's really difficult for, for individuals when they're grieving, you know, the, the first couple of weeks, Usually there is a support network, family, yep. friends, colleagues. It's when all of them go back to their regular lives mm-hmm. and the person left grieving's life has changed forever. Yeah. And years later, three months later, five years later, you're exactly. still grieving and everyone else has kind of moved back to their own normal pace. And there's actually what I think, Michelle, you might agree with me, what's called secondary grief, the loss mm-hmm. of a lot of relationships and friendships yes. because- Oh, I've those, not heard this before. So explain those that. People, so, so when, when uh, let's use an example, um, a couple, a spouse dies. Um, the couple had always gone out with this circle of friends as couples. Well, now the spouse is no longer here. She's no longer he or she is no longer a couple. Mm-hmm. Dynamics change. Okay. So it's that secondary loss that is in addition to losing your person, you're losing a network, a lifestyle, a, a social um, aspect of your world. 
And so those relationships change too. You know, often, especially with young adults, we hear um, from our young adults that their friends are like, oh, you know, come to the party, you'll forget. Or when are you going to, when are you going to be fun again? Just yes. give it time. And, yes. and it's like, well, I, I, I'm not that person anymore. Yes. A death loss is a profound experience and often life-changing and an experience that only someone who has had it understands mm -hmm. and changes can change the trajectory mm -hmm. of your path. I would also argue that in my experience, sometimes because of the cultural messaging around, get over it, think about the good times, they're in a better place, all these euphemisms that even when somebody's had a death loss, they're not always equipped to support the next person because they're still fighting this, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get over it, don't think about it. And, and it's so... I would say that the reason why we're doing this podcast is maybe some of you are out there listening and you will have a friend or a family member or yourself and you'll go through grief and you will be better equipped to just like set an alarm on your phone and check in with that person once a month for like two years, not two weeks, you know, be a supportive person that shows up in their life instead of freaks out thinks about your own death, distances yourself because you're awkward and they're depressed and you don't know what to do and you can't fix them. Just be there. So, so let, know, me, hear, let, me, let me be the blunt one here, right? Yeah. What Michelle's talking about, folks, is be a better friend. Yeah. yeah. You know, we also hear quite often that friends scurried away yeah. because they didn't know what to say. They were yeah. afraid to evoke emotions that they themselves didn't know how to handle. We don't know how to talk we, about death, friend. Exactly. But, feelings. but these people that, that scurried away when they ended up with the experience of a death loss, all of a sudden reconnected, yeah. looking for that understanding. And so bonds can be recreated. People do can circle back because there is a profound connection in this thing called grief. Yeah. And I've got to tell you personally, um, noticing exactly, I didn't realize it was called secondary loss or secondary grief, but um, noticing that as, as the two of you were talking, I can vividly imagine the fact that the people who have left my life, I was, I'll just call it too much work for them at the time um, because it was triggering their own losses and they didn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can see that. Let's also take another example, a child's death. You know, yeah. usually a parent's world revolves around their child, mm -hmm. social events, school, and usually some of the best friends come out of the parents of other children. Mm -hmm. And when a child dies, although they may be very supportive initially, that circle, that network, that bond, that thing that kept you together mm -hmm. now ceases to exist. Yeah. So that whole life is, the, is lost. Mm -hmm. It's a secondary loss. So, so what, keeping with the theme of today's show, what's the lessons to come out of this for, uh, for any of us going through that grief, what's the lesson if, if there even is one, I mean, other than life goes on, right? Life goes on. Well, I, I, I can't speak for others in their life lessons. Um, I can speak for my life lesson and having held the, the space for hundreds, um, thousands over the years of individuals grieving. Um, I have learned that life can be taken in a moment. And I'm gonna get emotional. Mm -hmm. You don't know when that moment is gonna be. That's right. So I have learned to one, let go 
of a lot of relationships that were very insignificant. And to channel my energy into those that are. I have also learned to love more deeply. I've learned to forgive more quickly because sitting with people that are grieving, talking about, oh, if only I said this, or if only I said that, or if only I, you know, we, we didn't fight. If I, well, the gift of forgiveness in life Trey, plays a tremendous role in healing in death. Mm-hmm. So love more deeply, forgive more quickly, and to be as present as possible in the moment you're in, because the next moment does not have a guarantee. And I love that. Yeah, you had mentioned that in our in the first time we were together, and it was like, bam, just kind of hits you between the the eye, eyeballs, right? Um, how do you? And this sug- was a growth. This was not boom, a, a death time. loss, and then you know I've come to this realization. Right, it's giant download, right? <laughs> this is really um, what we call what I what I deem a healthy post bereavement growth. Mm-hmm. It's a very personal growth for me. And I can feel that and tell that and sense that. And here's what I love about you, Fran. And I, and I mean this not in a weird way. <laughs> the, the amount of self-compassion that you exude is far beyond what I see in most people. Mm-hmm. How, at, at, I mean, at the root of grieving and at the root of the grief life journey, if we presume that self-compassion has got to be there as a foundation to support it, how did you learn to be compassionate with yourself? Or did life just kick you in the gut and you were forced to do it? I mean, it's... Um, again, Scott, that wasn't an overnight evolution. That was um, accepting my own grief. Because from my original story, I believe I shared back in March, you know, I put my grief up on a box. I put a pretty little bow on, put it in a box, pretty little bow, stuck it on a shelf. And boom, it was years later that I actually started my grief journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that was kind of my acceptance, which came years later. Um, And doing the work that I do um, really helped me understand the importance of what's important and what's not, what to let go of, what to Mm -hmm. focus on. Um, And it was when my daughter was very young and I started doing this work, I made a rule in my home, no matter how angry we are, two rules. We always kiss goodnight and we never leave the home without an embrace and a kiss mm-hmm. ever. That was for my whole family. Doing so would be a war because I learned that I may not ever see that person again. And what guilt would I have? What, what guilt would I hold on to if I were fighting and said, ah, screw you, and they walked out the door and I never saw them again, or didn't take a moment to embrace my child? That's what I'm talking about. This, mm-hmm. this way of living life moving forward. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Fran, because I remember, I can't tell you how old I was. I could probably reconstruct it. One of my earliest memories of watching a talk show, believe it or not, was watching Danny Thomas, by the way, one of the guys that's responsible for St. Jude's today. Mm. Danny Thomas, uh, Jordanian immigrant, uh, phenomenal actor, and he was being interviewed, I think, by Merv Griffin. For all I know, it may have been Dinah Shore. Yes, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> it, being interviewed, and the question was, how 
how has your marriage lasted? How have you gone through all the pain? How have you gone through everything you've gone through? How have you survived so long? And his comment was, we have a rule in our house. We don't go to bed without kissing each other goodnight. Yeah, it makes, it makes a huge yeah. difference. It creates a ritual. It creates a tradition. It creates a connection. It's a beautiful thing. It softens the heart. Well, and there's the next thing. I think that that is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned from listening to you is the softening of the heart. You know, I like to call it, I come to you with an undefended heart. That's a little mm -hmm. different than saying, I come to you with a soft heart. How do you recommend, and, and I'm going to use part of what heal grief is about, right? Um, how do you recommend people actively move forward? Because I noticed that that's in the tagline. It's not moving forward. It's actively moving forward. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend people actively do that? Talking about their person, keeping their person very present in their memory. You know, I, I, the opposite, I think, is the old school, where the old school says, oh, get rid of all the clothes, you know, get rid of the pictures, clean out the closet, you know, do away. Yeah, I've watched, I've watched this with family members. They're okay. just pur they're purging, and it's like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, rather, um, you know, I'm not suggesting that someone keeps um, a closet the way it was, but I definitely do not recommend purging. Take your time. Mm -hmm. Some people we we have this wonderful man. He's in his seventies, and his Childhood sweetheart, um, lifelong partner, spouse died. And a year later, he talks about how he just goes in his wife's closet and smells her clothes. Mm -hmm. That gives him comfort. That keeps him close. That keeps him warm in the heart. Why is that wrong? Well, I haven't, I've it. never figured it out myself. I mean, I, again, my family tends to live long, but when they die, <laughs> it, it's, it is that very, uh, it's not even stoic. It's that very move on, suck it up, purge everything, start your new life. And it's like, I don't quite get this. Well, the new, the new school is a thing called continuing bonds. And that is all about keeping ties with your person. Um, wearing their clothes is something we hear often. Mm -hmm. um, smelling their perfume or, or wearing their cologne or, you know, the favorite stuffed animal, um, whatever that might be. You, trying to erase the memory and erase the feeling from the heart, it doesn't exist. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Embracing the importance that they had in your life. And again, actively moving forward with that love and that compassion and that, and that, that feeling, that's healthy. Yeah, you know, I'm going to jump in here and, and just say, you know, folks listening to this show, I love everything that Fran and Michelle are talking about as far as grieving. What if you started living this now while they're still alive? Mm -hmm. What if you started wearing some of the clothes and carrying some of the mementos? And I carry a lock of my wife's hair on me, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just that kind of ritualistic thing. What if you started living it now, knowing that life is so precious and short? Scott, that, yeah, I call that loving more deeply. Mm -hmm. oh, there you go loving more deeply. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how do you do that unapologetically, Fran? Unapologetically? Well, the reason I say that is because at least in the world that I, I tend to gravitate to, lots of type A personalities, lots of people with quote uh, personas that they need to keep up to the world, lots of people who themselves are coaches and so they don't want to look frail and weak, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I keep saying to them, just be weak. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall. It's okay to have these chinks in your armor, right? Um, that's fine for Scott to say that. I'm, I'm curious how you say it to somebody. How, when you're holding sacred space for somebody, how do you let them know it's okay to be grieving? We give permission. When, when we have somebody in our group that gets emotional and then they start apologizing for being emotional, mm -hmm. it's, you don't need to apologize here. It's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, it's, but at a, at a deeper level, I, and Michelle's heard me say this, mm -hmm. I have a real hard time crying in front of people. Number one, I, I'm not a pretty crier. Number two, I tend to cry at a lot of things that, that touch me deeply. I'm very passionate. And number three, I grew up, Michelle, you mentioned this in the last episode we had, I grew up with the don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. How do you, how, how do you unravel these things? Scott, I wouldn't say this in group. I will say this to you. <laughs> I love it. Um, I invite you to an exercise for the next few days. Pretend that each day you wake up is your last. What are you going to do? Who are you going to embrace? Who are you going to forgive? Who are you going to ask forgiveness from? See if it makes a difference. Love it. I, I got to tell you, I think that that's one of the greatest lessons from our discussion today for people is to live the way you've just mentioned. It's no tomorrow. What are you gonna do with today? I wanna say one thing, you know, I've been extra quiet today. Um, That's not good. Because <laughs> I have been tearing up a lot and I just wanna normalize for anybody that is out right. there where this activated your grief no matter how long ago the death was, that you are not alone, that you can reach out to Fran through Heal Grief. You can, there's no timeline as to when you could start a support group through healgrief.org. It's, it's one of the reasons why I love them. Other places have timelines, they do not. You can reach out to Scott, you can reach out to me, we'll connect you to support. And I just want you to know this, this podcast is called Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World because Scott and I, kind of have our shit together but we're constantly working on keeping it together and today I have been actively keeping my shit together because um I am in an active grief process and those of you out there hearing this if you were activated you're not alone just know you're not alone and, and you know I meant to say this at the beginning of the show I, for those who are so activated that they feel helpless and hopeless and you know, they just don't want to go anywhere. I do want to point out there is in the United States, a new suicide hotline number. Mm -hmm. uh, there's none of the stuff that we've put out there before. Now it's just you dial 988. Yes. Um, and so that's available for you. If, if, on Saturday. If, if you are going through that as well. Now, once again, we've sped through this time today. And I don't know, Fran, if there was some message or lesson that we didn't have time for that I would love to just say, Fran, I'm going to turn this over to you. What is it that didn't get said that needs to get said today? Grief is a lifelong journey. Putting a timeline on it, thinking that you shouldn't be feeling what you're feeling when you're feeling it is false. When you're feeling grief, I invite you to lean into it, be present with it, feel that love. Think of those memories. Keep your person near you, in your heart and your mind. Um, wonderful. And, and, and again, it's healgrief.org. And Fran Solomon is our guest today. Fran, I'm going to ask you a question I'm going to put you on the spot now. <laughs> I thought you just oh, did. I thought she was the whole No, time. no, no. That was just warm up. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question that we didn't, I didn't ask you last time, uh, but I've been asking some of our guests and now I'm going to pose it to you. Fran Solomon, 
What do you do to keep your shit together? <laughs> wow. Um, deep breaths. When I feel like I'm at capacity, I have learned not to react because that usually gets worse. It makes things worse. I take a deep breath, sometimes several deep breaths. I calm myself down until I'm ready to have a conversation. Once I can have a conversation, then I know I'm okay. Beautiful. Hit the pause button. <laughs> yeah, oh, before Fran. you say something you don't want to say. Yes. Oh, I've done that. Uh -huh. Fran, thank you so much for coming on a second time to be with us and sharing your lessons from grief. I love that you said that. These are my lessons and it wasn't an overnight process. I really appreciate you. Our, our other live listeners are chiming in and saying, please come back a third time. So you were well-received yet again. We loved having oh, you. Yeah. And I appreciate your time. And as again, always. And love again, being with you guys. And again, Fran, I just find you a light in the world. And I yeah. think it's wonderful. So uh, with that, thank you guys. Thank next, you. next week, uh, we have a recorded episode. And I think it's going to be very uh, powerful. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of the I've never actually I'll just give you a little tease. I've never heard Michelle react to uh, a, a show like this before, uh, because it's it, it's such a different topic. And I'm going to leave that tease out there. Uh, and we are actually I'm not going to play hide and seek too much. We are talking about the LGBTQ plus community next week and some of the issues that surround that. We've got a special guest uh, coming on to talk about it. Uh, someone mm -hmm. near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. uh, Mine anyway. too now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but next, next week will be a recorded uh, broadcast. And then uh, on, that's the 25th. And then on August 1st, uh, we're going to talk about dissociative identity disorder. That'll be a live show. Yeah. All right, Fran, thank you again. Please, folks, you can get a hold of Fran through healgrief.org. Uh, and I invite all of you to actively move forward. The tools from their website are phenomenal. The resources are phenomenal. Uh, Michelle, anything you want to close out with? Just profound gratitude for our friend Fran and her work at healgrief.org. All right, with that, thank you, everybody. Be happy, be healthy, live with ease. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.